Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson today. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get started, I wanted to share an update from yesterday's show. We talked a lot on the show about how state lawmakers still haven't approved how to spend almost $4 billion in federal aid to states, especially for schools, and have missed the May 24th deadline to send that money to districts. Well, it so happens that yesterday the state Senate unanimously passed a supplemental budget bill sending about $4.4 billion to schools in COVID emergency funding. Changes still need to be made to uh, need to be approved by the house i should say before it goes to the governor's desk now this is important this is still not the regular school budget for next year our guest from yesterday k-12 alliance executive director robert mccann applauded the move but he also said in a statement that while it's nice to see this funding move closer to being made available to schools across Michigan, albeit months overdue, the reality is that federal relief money alone is not going to allow school districts to plan for the upcoming year. McCann says we need to t- we need the legislature to take action on a full 2021-2022 school aid budget immediately so districts have the certainty they require to prepare for the challenges ahead this fall. Now, later in the show, we're going to hear from an attorney and author named Hannibal Johnson, whose new book is Black Wall Street 100, An American City Grapples with Its Historical Racial Trauma. You do not want to miss that conversation. But first, today is Joe Biden's first meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin as president. The meeting in Geneva could set the course for the two adversaries as tensions continue to escalate between the U.S. and Russia. And here to talk about what we should expect and the significance of this meeting is Aaron Reddish, a Wayne State University history professor and an expert on Russian and Soviet history. Aaron, welcome back to Detroit Today. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. So, you know, before we get into any of the actual specifics of this meeting or even of the United States relationship right now with Russia, I kind of want to back way, way up. Um, Let's start uh, by talking about a very basic question here. What is the importance of a meeting like this between two world leaders? I mean, what kinds of real tangible things are are achieved when two heads of state meets when two heads of state meet like this? Because honestly, uh, Aaron, I I've thought to myself many times before that meetings that are this high level must be really coordinated uh, and and I can't think of too many examples off the top of my head, you'd know better than me, of surprises that happen in meetings like this. Am I wrong to think that a lot of this is less about the message that two heads of state send to each other and more about the messages that a meeting like this sends back home. Right. Uh, so a lot of it is domestic, uh, kind of domestic politics. Uh, but the these meetings are um, are grand theater, and uh, that's important. So the uh, the big surprise that we had at the towards the end of the Cold War was the meeting w- between uh, Gorbachev and Reagan, where the two of them agreed to, or really Reagan agreed to significant nuclear arms reductions, and then um, uh, U.S. officials had to basically backpedal. So you don't want these surprises. Mm-hmm. What you want is um, to have uh, the two heads of state uh, shaking hands and speaking. That itself is important, right? The, these these symbols, this theater is actually uh, essential in diplomatic relations to 
kind of show that the two are willing to be in the same room. It's, um, it's what happens behind the scenes, what happens on the sidelines, that is really the most important. It's, gonna, it's the most important thing that happens in all of these uh, meetings, but it's gonna be especially important in today's meeting uh, because the two, uh, the two sides are just not talking. So it's less about Putin and Biden and more about um, all of the other assistants kind of that, that are following along. And, and for more of the backdrop here, I want to talk a little bit about this shift between Russia's relationship with the U.S. with Donald Trump as president and its relationship with the U.S. with Joe Biden as president. Uh, how much has changed in just the past six months? Uh, that is a very good question uh, because uh, there is a lot that's happening behind the scenes and not much happening uh, at at the top. So... Uh, the uh, Trump and uh, Putin relationship was uh, unstable. Uh, it was itself kind of covered with with theater in that um, you know they both showed kind of adulation for each other. But because uh, the um, scandal uh, of the 2016 elections, Trump couldn't uh, couldn't kind of cozy up too close to Putin. Uh, publicly, and he was also uh, too spontaneous for for Putin. So uh, Biden uh, kind of campaigned as uh, um, as being hard on Russia, being tough on Russia. Uh, so that actually played out in the in the uh, first four months of the administration, where they've imposed new sanctions uh, and they've increased the rhetoric. Uh, they've pulled back their ambassadors. So it's really, uh, the relationship has really hit a new nadir for the, um, between the two sides. Uh, they need a, um, they need to kind of set a new course. It's interesting that you say that um, after the 2016 elections that that President Trump couldn't uh, publicly cozy up to to Vladimir Putin when it seems like there were a lot of things that, that President Trump did that, certainly seemed uh, to sort of, you know, uh, there, there, as you mentioned, there was a lot of public adulation, but even some of the actions that he took, um, at least the way that a lot of, uh, the, the, that it seemed in the public conversation, um, you know, sort of played right into Putin's hands in, in many ways. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like there, you know, there are a lot of people in the United States who would say that, that Trump, uh, you know, either, um, you know, whether he was, uh, specifically trying to do this or not, that he was sort of a, uh, he was playing right into Putin's hands throughout his presidency, that he was sort of a, um, uh, you know, it, it, I, you know, there were some, some people would say he's an agent of Russia. What are, what is your right. response to yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, and uh, so I'm sure we will still find out more about the relationship between um, Trump and Russia and Russia's help uh Towards the Trump, uh, towards the Trump campaign, uh, what I mean is that um, there there wasn't the so on the one hand um, you do have uh, what you just said, but on the other hand, the Trump administration, um, while they allowed Russia to essentially have free reign mostly in, in Ukraine uh, to engage in more domestic repression. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to, to continue basically to do as they wish um, in, in Syria. Uh, the Trump administration also imposed more sanctions on Russia, um, and they weren't able to, um, for example, uh, increase economic ties, um, uh, release kind of uh, visa regulations, um, because there actually were some kind of um, some limitations uh, to the to the Trump camp uh, to the Trump administration. On the other hand, uh, Putin, um, you know, he talks about how great of a person Trump what Trump is, uh, and uh, and that he's a very colorful individual. Uh, the problem was that Trump was so kind of spontaneous and didn't follow kind of a rational uh, course that. Russia didn't really want to um, move closer to Trump as hmm. well. Yeah, interesting. I'm talking with Aaron Reddish, a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. Of course, we're talking about the big news of the day, President Biden's first meeting as president with Russian President Vladimir Putin and the stakes of this meeting and what uh, we are most likely to see coming out of this. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. What do you hope comes from talks between Biden and Putin today? Do you think the U.S. US should be tough on Russia or try to or maybe even try to cooperate with them maybe a mix of both uh, what he, and, and and of course also what do you think of Joe Biden's foreign policy stances more generally how has he been doing positioning the United States especially after 4 years of Donald Trump which was far more chaotic i think is safe to say uh, what are you what are you thinking of the way that Biden has handled uh, these international relations so far in office the number is 313-577-1019 again that's 313-577 1019. You can also get in on the conversation on Twitter, and we'll try to work your comments and questions on uh, on this subject um, into the conversation on the air as well. Just use the hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, now, Aaron, before we get to caller questions, I did want to ask, of course, as an expert on Russia, what are the things you're most interested to see out of this meeting today? Um, yeah, I'd like to see what actually... Um what deals are actually uh, made. I'm interested in kind of the body language between uh, Biden and Putin. You know, we kind of already know what Biden's going to talk about. He's going to talk about the red lines, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, he'll talk about, um, about kind of setting a new course. He'll obviously talk about human rights and um, kind of the repression within Russia. Um, I'm, also, uh, so I'm interested in what's going to come out of that. If they're actually, uh, if they can actually make a deal about cyber cybersecurity, if they'll bring back their ambassadors, uh, if there actually will be more negotiations with um, uh, with the military, Department of Defense, um, visa um, restrictions. But I'm especially interested, obviously, as a as a Russian expert, as uh, what Putin is going to say and what Putin is actually going to do. Because um, while we understand uh, what uh, Biden wants, it's more difficult to figure out what Putin wants out of this. Mm. I mean, we know that he wants to be seen as a major player. 
And yesterday, Biden seemed to kind of say that by saying that he is a worthy adversary. Um, but Putin needs to do this thing where he uh, needs to show that he's an equal to, to Biden, but he also needs to show that he is willing to have this confrontation that, uh, that Russia offers this separate path in, in kind of world politics. Um, he might ask, uh, Putin might ask for something from the U.S. The question is what? Will it be uh, getting rid of sanctions? Will it be political negotiations? Um, so I'm less interested in what Biden's going to say and really, uh, really curious what Putin is going to ask for. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, let's go to Anthony in southwest Detroit. Anthony, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Very good. Um, yeah, well, I just think that, um, honestly, I think it's going to be more of a challenge for Biden and his, and his age, because the other day in Europe, he kept calling Syria Libya in reference to, hmm. um, you know, they were talking about, oh, maybe we, uh, Russia and us, we can cooperate in Libya, but he was trying to say Syria. And then my other point is, you know, he's kept on Trump, an ambassador to Russia that Trump appointed. So if there was really such a switch up in their styles, would, would he... I've kept the ambassador. Yeah, Anthony, I, I appreciate that question very much. Uh, on, on the first point, I, I do one, one thing I would like to say is that I, I think that um, you know public officials, their statements, especially presidents, are so under the microscope that any slip of the tongue uh, is, is very highly scrutinized. So I don't know how much that has to do with uh, the president's age or or anything else. But uh, on the second point, Aaron, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, keeping Trump's ambassador to Russia. Uh, it's uh, my understanding that they're going to get a new uh, a new ambassador. There, uh, this is um, it's a bit of a transition, uh, especially without an ambassador there. Um, so uh, that is going to be one of of um, it's a it's a transition for mm-hmm. that. Um, the the Biden administration is actually uh, brought in. Uh, experts from the Obama administration, as well as uh, some from the Trump administration. Um, one of the issues that the Trump administration had was that they sidelined a lot of the experts in Russia. That is, people who knew Russian politics and who could speak Russian. Um, people like uh, uh, Fiona Hill. Uh, so Biden has actually brought uh, some of them back in. So I'm a little bit more optimistic about having experts run the foreign policy of the Biden administration. But the, the larger question of kind of continuity or, or change is, is important. Um, I think that there's going to be, um, you know, there always will be a little bit more continuity than, than some people will like, but there's going to be, I think, more rhetoric, kind of anti-Russian or anti-Putin rhetoric uh, coming from this president, but it's going to be what happens kind of behind the scenes. All right. Coming up on Detroit Today, we will continue this conversation with Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University, uh, a expert on Soviet and Russian history here on Detroit Today. And we'll get to more of your calls. Do you feel confident 
in Joe Biden's ability to make sure that uh, the U.S. is doing the right things in terms of its relationships with nations like Russia. Uh, what about other nations? What about China and other other places in the world? Uh, do you what do you think of Joe Biden's foreign policy so far as president? And what do you hope comes out of these talks between Biden and Putin today? The number is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer in for Stephen Henderson today. We are talking about the big meeting today between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin and what could come out of that, what the stakes are. I'm speaking with Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. And we'd love to hear from you as well during this conversation. What are you hoping comes out of this meeting today? What are you thinking about uh, how the U.S. should should act toward Russia? Should the U.S. be tough on Russia? How, you know, should we try to cooperate more with Russia? Or maybe it's a mix of both. Uh, again, the number on the lines is 313-577-1019. You can also get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag Detroit Today. Now, uh, Aaron Reddish, uh, you know, one thing that you've said in the past on this show is that Russia's strategy with the U.S., has been about sowing chaos and using that to its advantage. Uh, they've certainly done a lot of that in the past several years, and that continues to this day. I'm curious, in your estimation, has this paid off for Putin and the Kremlin at this point? Uh, that's a great question. Has it uh, has it paid off? Um, yes and no. Uh, it has in, uh, in that they... Um, you know, they, that they have, you know, fostered kind of divisions inside the United States. Uh, they have, um, you know, they've been able to use a tool, uh, for example, uh, hacking as, um, as, a, as a way to kind of offset their military, their traditional military weakness, uh, and that's raised their international profile. Uh, it's been something that Putin has been able to use, that is to work on beyond the traditional um, international diplomatic um, tools to, to increase his power. You know, th the question is how, is it worth it? Um, hmm. There is, you know, there's a reason why uh, Putin's uh, Putin's Kremlin tries to distance itself from the United States, and that I mean that comes from uh, the Soviet past, but especially comes from the 1990s, uh, where the Russia, the kind of the Soviet Empire, was was laid low, uh, and it's a way to kind of build up strength and mobilize mobilize uh, his domestic base, which is really important. But at the same time. Um, there is, there's a lot to be gained from economic and, and diplomatic, um, kind of relationships, uh, that we had in the 1980s and the early 2000s. Um, so has it paid off? Um, 
I mean, it has, but I mean, it, and it's come with consequences. But at the end of the day, that's kind of who Putin is. Mm. Uh, Ed on Twitter uh, says, in terms of his expectations from this meeting, I assume, uh, he says, a reset to the normal where Putin understands we are not going to take him at his word. And Aaron, this guy kind of goes back to, uh, you know, the Trump administration and the way that, uh, you know, the, at least publicly, it certainly looked like uh, Trump was was uh, giving uh, Putin a lot of uh, room in terms of the ways that he was allowed to spread his messages and, and, and what we would tolerate. I'm curious what you think of that. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. So you have... Uh, Trump, whether he believed it or not, uh, said that he believed uh, Putin, uh, and then contrasting that with Biden, who famously, when he was vice president, came up to Putin and said that he uh, looked in his eyes, which was a phrase that uh, Bush uh, Bush said, and that he didn't see a soul, mm. and that Putin said that he, um, you know, he thought the same of, of Biden. Um, so... I don't know how much the uh, how much Trump actually believed uh, Putin, but yeah, that's that's exactly exactly right. The you know the Reagan idea of of trust but verify is not going to be uh, part of Biden's um, Biden's relationship with with Putin and the Kremlin. Um, but at the same time, there needs to be some type of relationship. Uh, it's important. Um, I mean, it's just important for diplomatic relations, but it's also important in case there actually is a crisis mm -hmm. uh, and the two sides need to um, need to work together. So you need to have this relationship. <clears throat> Beyond that, uh, Biden really needs to find a way of boxing in Russia to uh, make sure that his foreign policy isn't dominated by dealing with Putin. Uh, and that's going to be the real test. Uh, and that was one of the problems of the Obama administration, that Obama said that Russia was a regional power, which really upset Putin, and um, Russia kind of lashed out. Uh, they lashed out at that. They lashed out at what they saw was being, uh, was being boxed in by NATO uh, and by the EU. So how Biden, the Biden administration is going to deal with this to create a new normal is going to be um, an interesting challenge. It's it's a high stakes game. But uh, right now, we have low expectations uh, on your point about the need for the two countries to, to have a relationship. Both the White House and the Kremlin seem to agree that there's at least one sort of key term in this meeting, which is strategic stability. Uh, I'm curious what what that phrase really means and, and why it's so important for both countries. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so it might mean kind of different different things for both sides. Uh, what you know, one way to see that is uh, both sides really want something like the 1970s, uh, like something like the detente uh, time uh, under Brezhnev, where there were adversaries, but they were able to work together. Uh, so uh, Biden wants a um, wants stability in the uh, in the relationship. Uh, so one where they can kind of work together. Uh, 
Putin wants uh, strategic stability in the way that uh, he he will know what what the Biden administration is going to do. That is that it's not Trump who's going to act kind of willy nilly. And it's also not Hillary Clinton who um, Putin thought was trying to aggressively overthrow the uh, overthrow Russia um, through kind of foreign agents and also uh, unseat uh, Russian influence in what they call the near abroad. Uh, so for Putin, strategic stability is going to be the United States um, not interfering with his what he sees as a sphere of influence. Uh, for uh, Biden, it's really going to be trying to create some type of relationship um, where there's conflict, but not too much conflict. Again, you're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer in for Stephen Henderson today. I'm talking with Aaron Reddish, history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We are talking about the meeting today between President Biden and Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin. And we would love to get you on the phones as well to give get your perspective on what's happening here. The number is 313-577-1019. And you can also get involved on in the conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Detroit Today. Um, and Aaron Reddish, um, you know, there there does seem to be some hope for certain areas of cooperation between the two nations. I know that you mentioned a couple of areas, too. Um, there's uh, including there's issues about climate change and ar- Arctic issues. Um, and, you know, there's there's also, like you said, uh, cybersecurity, things like that. What are what do you think there the shared goals are here? And are you hopeful that um, that that's an area where we could find some common ground with Russia and make progress despite sort of this, um, you know, mutual feeling that, 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 you know, Russia is our adversary. Is there still room for this kind of cooperation? Yes. So uh, you just named some of them. Cybersecurity is going to be a real uh, touchy one. What you're going to get out of this summit, I think, is that both sides are going to agree uh, to increase um uh, actions to maintain cybersecurity, and yet we will still know that uh, companies, either independent of or assets of the state in Russia, are still engaging in um, um, hacking, etc. Uh, but what we will see is more relationships, close relationships with anti-terrorist uh, activity. Um, hopefully, things on climate change. The Arctic is, uh, there was just an Arctic summit, and that was kind of the prelude to this uh, to this summit. And there's always, that's a less kind of polit- uh, kind of uh, uh, less of a touchstone uh, mm-hmm. for politics. So that's a place to, for negotiation. I think that we'll get um, more cooperation between the military. Uh, hopefully there'll be uh, some agreements with the Middle East, especially with Syria, um, so yeah, there are, there are areas where the two can, um, can agree. Um, and, and, you know, that the, those issues about the Arctic, uh, near and dear to my heart as someone who, uh, covered, uh, issues in, uh, Arctic Alaska for a year. It's just fascinating. That's another show we, we should do sometime soon about, uh, you know, how those, uh, those issues really bring, uh, countries, 
uh, together in a really unique way. But uh, moving right along, I, I want to get to Steve in Bloomfield here on the phone. Steve, welcome to Detroit Today. I, I don't know if it was you or the other gentleman who said, well, he's under a microscope when he misspeaks. He, misspe- he misspoke multiple times. This was not a one-off. He referred to Syria as Libya and Libya as Syria three or four times. And mm. it, it's somewhat terrifying somebody who has this type of lack of understanding or just age, which is probably what it is, is in this position. Now, the media doesn't cover it because the media does whatever they can to make him look positive because he's he's their guy. But it, it's scary. It's getting to the point where it's scary with him. All right, Steve. Well, I, I appreciate that. I You know, I did say that, uh, you know, there is... Um, you know, an element of uh, public officials when they misspeak, uh, they they there's a lot made of that because again, I, it is true they are under a microscope, but that doesn't mean it's not important. Uh, I wasn't trying to to get to say that necessarily. I just don't know that we can necessarily say that it's uh, age related. But I appreciate that, Steve. Uh, Aaron Reddish, I'm curious. Uh, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, the, the how important it is for an American president to make sure that you're speaking clearly and not mixing your messages and 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 making mistakes like that? So uh, in Russia, there have been a couple of times recently of of having a leader who was incapacitated. Um, Stalin, for example, uh, his last years was especially paranoid. Um, and then he had suffered a, a stroke at the end. Uh, I mean, Lenin as well. More recently, um, Brezhnev uh, was debilitated by his health in the last in the last years of, of his life, where he actually had to be propped up um, just to walk. Yeltsin had a problem uh, not only with several heart attacks, but through through drinking. Um, you know, it and his, his his speech and his cognitive abilities were compromised. Uh, there, um, it was clear to the public and to those around him that there were problems with the with the leadership. That is, that their cognitive abilities were so declined that they couldn't that the state that they couldn't lead the state. So others had to help, or the state kind of uh, went. Um, Kind of went sideways. I don't see that being the case with uh, with Biden. Um, he is old, but his prone his he is prone to to misspeaking, and this is not new. This was the problem when he was a vice president. It was a problem when he was a senator. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I obviously don't know him, but uh, it's not anything that I am too concerned about. Uh, and then the other thing is that the United States has, um, right, it has a civil society, it has uh, a more, it has civil servants who are also there to uh, make policy. Aaron Reddish is a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. Always really appreciate you uh, coming on to the show and providing this really extremely helpful context, especially when we are uh, dealing with really big subjects like the uh, meeting today between President Biden and uh, President Vladimir Putin. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. All right, coming up on Detroit Today, we'll talk with author Hannibal Johnson about the Tulsa race massacre and the similarities between Tulsa and Detroit. 